0: Section 13 of The Lane That Had No Turning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Lane That Had No Turning and Other Tales Concerning the People of Pontiac by Gilbert Parker. The Woodsman's Story of the Great White Chief. The old woodsman shifted the knife with which he was mending his fishing rod from one hand to the other and looked at it musingly before he replied to Medallion, Yes, monsieur, I knew the White Chief, as they called him. This was his, holding up the knife, and this, taking a watch from his pocket, he gave them to me i was with him in the circle on the great journey tell us about him then medallion urged for there are many tales and who knows which is the right one the right one is mine holy he was to me like a father then i know more the truth than any one he paused a moment looking out on the river where the hot sun was playing with all its might then took off his cap with deliberation laid it beside him and speaking as it were into the distance began he once was a trader of the hudson's bay company of his birth some said one thing some another i know he was boo genteel and his heart it was a lion's once when there was trouble with the chipways he went alone to their camp and say he will fight their strongest man to stop the trouble. He twists the neck of the great fighting man of the tribe so that it go with a snap, and that ends it. And he was made a chief, for you see, in their hearts they all hated their strong man. Well, one winter they come down to Fort God two Eskimos, and they say that three white men are wintering by the Coppermine River. They had traveled down from the frozen seas when their ship was locked in the ice, but can get no farther. They were sick with the evil skin and starving. The white chief say to me, Galois, will you go to rescue them? I would have gone with him to the ends of the world, and this was near one end. The old man laughed to himself, tossed his jet-black hair from his wrinkled face and after a moment went on. There never was such a winter as that. The air was so still by times that you can hear the rustle of the stars and the shifting of the northern lights. But the cold at night caught you by the heart and clamp it. Mon do how it clamp. We crawl under the snow and lay in our bags of fur and wool and the dogs hug close to us. We were sorry for the dogs, and one died, and then another, and there's nothing so dreadful as to hear the dogs howl in the long night. It is like ghosts crying in an empty world. The circle of the sun gets smaller and smaller till he only tramp along the high edge of the northwest. We got to the river at last and found the camp. There's one man dead, only one but there were bones. ah, monsieur, you not guess what a thing it is to look upon the bones of man and know that. Medallion put his hand on the old man's arm. Wait a minute, he said. Then he poured out coffee for both, and they drank before the rest was told. It's a creepy story, said Medallion, but go on. Well, the white chief Look at the dead man as he sit there in the snow, with a book and a piece of paper beside him and the pencil in the book. The face is bent forward to the knees. The white chief pick up the book and pencil and then kneel down and gaze up in the dead man's face, all hard like stone encrusted with frost. I thought he would never stir again he took so long. I think he was puzzled. Then he turn and say to me, So quiet, so awful, glory," and got up. Well, but it was cold then, and my head seemed big and running about like a ball of air. But I light a spirit lamp and make some coffee, and he opened the dead man's book. It is what they call a diary. And begin to read. All at once I hear a cry and i see him drop the book on the ground and go to the dead man and jerk his fist as if to strike him in the face but he did not strike Galois stopped and lighted his pipe and was so long silent that medallion had to jog him into speaking he puffed the smoke so that his face was in the cloud and he said through it no he did not strike he get to his feet and spoke God forgive her, like that, and come and take up the book again and read. He eat and drunk and read the book again, and I know by his face that something more than cold was clamp his heart. Shall we bury him in the snow, I say? No, he spoke. Let him sit there to the judgment. This is a wonderful book, Galoy, he went on. He was a brave man but the rest the rest then under his breath almost she was so young but a child i not understand that we start away soon leaving the thing there for four days and then i see that the white chief will never get back to fort pentecost but he read the dead man's book much i cannot forget that one day he lay looking at the world Nothing but the waves of snow, shining blue and white, on and on. The sun lift an eye of blood in the north, winking like a devil as I try to drive death away by calling in his ear. He wake all at once, but his eyes seem asleep. He tell me to take the book to a great man in Montreal. He give me the name, then he take out his watch, it is stop, and this knife. And put them into my hands and then he pat my shoulder he motioned to have the bag drawn over his head i'd do it of course that was the end but what about the book medallion asked that book it was strange i took it to the man in montreal ton air. what a fine house and good wine had he and told them all he whip out a scarf and blow his nose loud, and say very angry. So she's lost both now, what a scoundrel he was. Which one did he mean? I not understand ever since End of Section thirteen